We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey guys, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and of course, Major League Baseball opening day, right around the corner, Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your free money. This is literally free money. All you have to do, go to betonline.ag, use code BLUEWIRE, and you get a 50% welcome bonus. I don't know what could be possibly better than that. Plus, an added bonus is if you need an added bonus. Signing up for Bet Online with code BLUEWIRE is a great way to support this podcast that you've been listening to maybe for one week, 10 weeks, 100 weeks. I don't know. We've done 406 episodes, so it's been a long time. One more time, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. You can sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get on with the show. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 406. Today we are brought to you by BetOnline.com. .ag and spring training is underway. We had some baseball, some live action games on television on Saturday. Yeah. Everyone everyone was just super happy to be watching 
those Yankee players wearing those pinstripes in the bright sunshine of Florida. Even, Scott, even Aaron up? Boone was wearing the uniform. It was full-fledged uni. He looks like a, a high school baseball coach who's forced to wear his uniform. He looks for an ex-player. He looks so awkward in the full uniform. Well, is it because we're why. not used to seeing him in that? And that's why? No, he looks uncomfortable. It looks like a guy that's being forced to wear like a three-piece suit and he just wants to tear it off. He wants to be in warm-up clothes. That is Boone's. He just wants to live in his warm-up Well, gear. you know what's funny is because when, when you wear a baseball uniform playing baseball, you're you're more built to wear that uniform at the time. Like you're you're... You're more athletic. You like you feel good about yourself. You're good at baseball, obviously. You're playing it. Talking about them as being a professional. Now you're throwing it on as a guy who's like been out of the league for a while. Put on some yeah. pounds. Like you know, you, you stop you stop lifting, and then everything just gets a little bit. Loon's not out of shape. A little shape, bit more loose. In, I'd say he's got a gut. But the thing is, he's put on some weight in the midsection. He's not Joe Girardi, who's still just doing forearm curls twenty four hours. But a day. that's the point. So when you put that thing back on, you're like. This is not the same. This does not fit the same. This is not, I yeah. don't feel the same in this. Now I, I got to go with some abridged version of this because I, I can't wear this like I have worn it in the past. So now I feel weird and I got to go with like, you know, the cutoff sweatshirt, the cutoff, hoodie. cutoff hoodies and stuff. Yeah. You always get to see that on old timers day at the stadium. You right. Can exactly. Tell which players look uncomfortable and which players still look like they're in playing shape. Like Paul O'Neill still in playing shape. He could, he looks natural in his, in his uniform. Yeah. Whereas other guys show up. Bernie Williams, not so much. Bernie's, Bernie's. He's in sit down and play a guitar sheet. Yeah, Bernie's, uh, Bernie's let it go a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> um, all right, we got a lot to discuss today. Some, of course, some bad news about injuries because, you know, same shit, different day for, for the Yankees. But before we do, let's kick it to, I'll kick it to you for some housekeeping items. Yeah, just quickly, the uh, 2020 events for BP Crew events are all on the website. So go ahead and uh, grab those. The first. One being obviously uh, March 14th, which is going to be in spring training. That's coming up very quickly. Um, T-shirts are being printed and they will be sent out. Just so you know, if you guys are going, we will be transferring those tickets to you the week before the game. And then also the T-shirts for the spring training game will be available at the stadium. We're actually just sending them down there. We're going to give them out to everybody as you guys um, get. That's better because we don't know when people are traveling down. Exactly. It was going to get You might hairy. be traveling down the week Yeah, there were a lot of people from not, that were not local. So... I didn't want that to be a problem. So, uh, so we want everyone wearing the shirt on the day of. So be prepared to put that T-shirt on. Yeah, or or use it as a sweat rag. We'll see. But at the same time, it gives us an opportunity to say what's up and, uh, and talk to some more people at the same time when they come in. So um, May 9th, the Red Sox game. That's a Saturday, May 9th. Uh, Saturday, June 13th is the Trenton event that we're going to be doing down at the uh, Trenton Thunder. That one's going to be a ton of fun. Then Friday the 26th and August the 22nd against the Blue Jays. The, fr- the um, Friday the 26th, June 26th game is w- uh, against the Cubs. So that's going to be a big one because they just don't come into town very often. And uh, you don't see them at Yankee Stadium. But um, yeah, that's it. If you guys are in a different city besides New York, you want to find more Yankee fans uh, like you to watch the games, go to uh, the website. You can go to the very top of our website. There's a little banner that takes you in there. And then um, we also lost connection for a second there. And now the you can send us uh, an email to bpcrew at bronxpinstripes.com. And that will uh, just let us know where you are and, and you know where you want to get involved. And we will put you in touch with the right people. And that's it for me. I don't know what you said for the last 25 seconds. So Yeah, no, I'm I heard a beep. On. All of a sudden, it started beeping. I was like, what's happening? You're stuck. It's not moving. It's all good. We just move forward. Yeah. That's what we do. 
Uh, but yeah, go do um, it. And also, guys, if you have if you've been listening to our show for a little while and you haven't given us a uh, five star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever the hell you listen, please do us a favor and go do that because uh, you know we enjoy reading them. So if you don't like us, then just don't do it. And Did I send you the screenshot of that guy who reviewed and he said he's a diehard White Sox yeah. fan but still listens to yeah. us? That's a huge compliment. That's one of the best compliments I think we've ever gotten in the in the reviews. Yeah, I appreciate that. Can you imagine listening to a, another team's podcast if you're not even a fan of that team? No. I would never do that. I would I would never do that. Yeah. No, so, I, I, I might listen to like an off episode here and there just to hear train wrecks, like if there was a bad situation. Off off episode or if your team is playing that team for the upcoming week, yeah. but I'm not going to tune in week by week. So thank you. Thank you to that White Sox fan who's tuning in week by week. Appreciate you. White Sox, White Sox really uh, pretty good this year. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. So just uh, quickly, also want to plug, I was on a podcast called Big Screen Sports. It's on the Blue Wire Network. So they're a friend of the show. It is obviously a sports movie podcast. And the movie that we reviewed is Pride of the Yankees. It was uh, the 1942 movie about Lou Gehrig. And this was a movie, if you remember when we were doing a little bit of our movie reviews, was always a suggestion to review. Yeah. I will just say, I'm glad we did not review I'm pretty it. sure I rejected it every time. I'm like, mm, I really don't want to talk about a movie from 1942. <laughs> All right. And I don't think Let's anybody else on. wanted to hear about it from our show. <laughs> to to uh, the Yankees news, which of course is going to be bad news because it's the Yankees and we have more injuries. I, I don't know what to say at this point with the injuries. And I'm talking about Severino, who shut down. He has a loose body in his pitching elbow. He's, be, he's sent back to New York. He'll have some tests this week. And it's just one thing after the other. The Paxton back surgery happened, and maybe we overreacted to that. I think I was mostly mad because it was going on all offseason, but I know backs are tricky, and Paxton, if all goes well, will be back in late May or, or early June. So it's not the end of the world. But assuming everything goes the, well and assuming he comes back healthy right. and assuming and assuming there's a lot of assumptions there. But with Severino, a guy who made three was three starts, right? Three two, starts total. Yeah, two or three, yeah. It was not a No, lot. it was three. one at the yeah, end of yeah, the yeah. season and then two postseason starts yes. in the past twelve months, and now he's already shut down again. He was feeling discomfort all the way back in the postseason last year. Yeah. So what's so he was he ever healed? That's my question. I don't really understand that it's it's I'm, I'm trying to find a ball right now just so I can do this, but um, I don't have one that's within reach. But the fact that you the, he feels he it, got two. the fact the fact that he you're a child, <laughs> the fact that he has uh, the symptoms and he feels it when he's throwing a change up. That is strange because I know you're, you're you're choking up on the ball more. Right. So uh, you're not you're not as as. Um, as loose of a grip, it's a little bit more of a choked up grip where there's probably a little bit more pressure on the ball and your, you know, your whole, you you have a grip on the ball rather than just your couple fingers. So I, I can see like, if you just do this, if you just make a fist, you could feel it in your forearm more than you do if you just use your two fingers. Um, but it's, it's definitely troublesome because, you know, one, it's an important pitch for him. Like that change up is, is, is one just to mix in every once in a blue moon and just to show it. Uh, but the fact that he feels this, discomfort when he throws any pitch is you know it's and, and it's it's the same arm slot it's the same consistency as the fastball it's the same thing as a fastball you're just choking up on the ball a little bit more a little grip the grip is a little bit different whatever it is um so it's it's concerning it for sure is concerning and uh 
Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's You don't want to hear anything with the forearm. The forearm is bad news. Yeah, because that just makes you think elbow, and then you it's think all Tommy John surgery. It's all connected, yeah. And I know Tanaka felt forearm discomfort and never ended up having Tommy John surgery, and that turned out to be the right decision for Tanaka. But, um, yeah, this is, this, is, this is bad news. And, and it's so... It's, I don't know how you can be a Yankees fan positive about this at this point when it's just one injury after the other. And the rotation went from being such an exciting thing to look forward to this year. Finally, we have some strength in that rotation, and now we're already down two out of five before the season even gets underway. Yeah. Um, look, I, you know, I'm not going to get too crazy about any of these injuries yet because we don't have any information. We have nothing to look on. We don't. Even, we can't even look at games and see like where somebody did something. Like this is just all us. But all he's doing is throwing bullpen sessions. I know that's the thing. That's that's like for peace of mind. I can't go back to a, a moment and say, oh yeah, yeah, it looks like you heard it there or whatever. Like you just don't even see that, so you don't have that part of it. That's why I'm I'm just I'm I'm waiting because there's nothing else to do at this point to see what they come up with in the MRIs and maybe this is just something that's uh, you know he feels it doesn't necessarily hurt but he feels it. And he has to just get, you know, you know, work through something like this. If there's no structural issues, we will see. They're obviously going to do more MRIs, going to New York, uh, and we should have more information soon. But it's just not good. The fact that you're going up there and, and you're, and you're going to be um, getting more tests at this point because he had the two MRIs in the offseason. He was cleared yep. for spring training. So if this is a problem where they didn't see it in the MRIs or they saw it and they're like, mm, I think we're going to be okay. Now we're back to these issues of uh, of looking at what they were doing for the diagnosis and what you know how they were reading these um, these images. It's just it's not a good look. He felt the soreness back in the ALCS. That's why they did the two MRIs in the offseason, just to make sure everything looked good yeah. and he could be ready for spring training. And they cleared him, right. so he's ready for spring training. Maybe I'm just holding out hope. This is he's just not. You know, think about it. He went through that, all that injury last year. He didn't have the arm strength that he did last year. So his offseason is going to be totally different. Maybe this is a strength thing. And he's just like, oh, my arm feels weird. I'm concerned. I want to get it checked out. But maybe it's just he needs to build back up strength. And he needs to get used to pitching consistently again and be ready for a six-month season. Yeah, it could, it could be. I'm, wasn't I mean, I'm, last I'm year. proud of you for going there. I'm proud of you for going there. The, the well, because otherwise I'm going to go to a dark place, and I don't think you or the listeners want to hear. There's that. a lot of or maybe they do, well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there's nothing. There's no. We have no context with this at this point right now because we haven't seen anything yet. So now we're all just like at this point hopeful because there's nowhere else to go. Uh, that it's just something small and it's just a blip in the radar, and um, and then yeah, it's either a workup thing or it's just something that he feels. Because you know what happens when they feel something. Oh, I felt, I felt this. I felt that. I feel this. It always I feel starts that. with just oh, so I felt this and it was minor. No, and then that's classic Yankees. They downplay the injury yeah. and then they give a weird timeline and they just string you along and then boom, he needs. Surgery. I mean, I don't think anybody's downplaying this. I think they everybody understands that there's a concern here. Uh, so it's just a matter of, I hope they oversell it. I hope they said, yeah, we're all very concerned. We're taking this and then it's nothing. Like that would be nice. Can we get one of those? Can we get one of those? Can we get one of the ones that that it's actually it ends up being way less than we expect? Can 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 we get one of those? The dark place is that they find something wrong with his elbow in the in the test that he's doing in New York this week, and he needs Tommy John surgery, and it turns out that he doesn't pitch again until the middle of the twenty twenty one season. 
Like that's that's worst case scenario. Yeah, that's uh, worse. At least he's extended. He got his extension out of the way. I know, right? Since that forty million dollars uh, contract that he signed, he's made three starts. That's not good. Not good at all. But yeah, man, let's uh, let's just look. I'm in the I'm in definitely in the camp of of optimism at this point because, you know, we're just seeing well, we're just seeing these guys it. come out, and it's about to be spring. I can't go to that place yet. I just can't. At least they discovered it in mid February instead of mid March, which is what happened last year. Right. A lot of positives coming out of you. I like this. Let's let's keep going. <laughs> let's let's keep it going. All right, let's talk about another guy who has yet to really ramp up spring training, and that's Aaron Judge, who was shut down for batting practice in the first week because he felt soreness in his right shoulder. This is not the same shoulder that was injured back in 2017, so I guess that's good news. Um, but this one I'm actually really not concerned about because he was doing batting practice before spring training even started. So what he even said, so I'll read the quote. Um, the quote from Judge is, it probably started a couple of weeks ago when I first got down here. I've been hitting since early November, working out since early November. Once I got down here hitting on the field, hitting outside, I just felt a little soreness up in the shoulder. Nothing alarming, nothing uh, nothing that I was like, hey, we've really got to check this out. We've got plenty of time going into spring training. Let's take it slow the next couple of days, make sure everything is right, and then go from there. Maybe this is his body just being like, oh, you haven't done this in a little while so i'm sore yeah take a couple days off a week off and then get back to it that's the thing like we're gonna start we're gonna see injuries in the beginning and and when i say injuries you know take that with a very very grain of salt because it's not people are gonna get dinged up and and sore because they're doing baseball activities and you can work out all you want in the off season and do whatever the you know whatever those types of workouts are but you're never going to be able to replicate actually going out there and doing the things on the field. And when you do that, your body starts moving in different ways. So there's going to be sort of, I'm not alarmed by this at all. If it becomes something more later it lingers, then, you know, we can talk about <laughs> the, the other side of this, but no, it seems like he's just, you know, ramping up, getting ready. Um, yeah. I, I, I wish I could know what spring training was like, 30 40 years ago with these guys we didn't we just they, if they were banged up or that happened no we just didn't know, we didn't about, know it. about it nobody knew about yeah. it there's not like the also, insane amount of people covering the team and like everybody has to report it everywhere if like if you don't read the paper the next morning you're gonna miss it and chances are there was one guy out there going hey there you know and like they didn't he's like oh yeah your you shoulder hey, i didn't see aaron judge your shoulder looked bulky out there what, what what are we doing here and like no one's no one's asking that but also, guys were just like, oh, my, soul, my shoulder is short. No big deal. I'm just going yeah, to continue to They're like, rub some practice. dirt on it. <laughs> Inject some steroids in there, and I'll get over Depending it. Depending on which era you're in, it was, you know, throw some greenies on. You 30 years it. ago, early, some, early 90s. 30 years ago is the early 90s. That, see, it doesn't even compute when you say that. But, yeah, no, it's um, there's a lot of differences in the way that things 1990, are 1990, 30 years ago. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, so whatever. You know, again, judge is fine as of right now as far as, far as I'm concerned. So we did see a game over the weekend. Jay Happ started. Look good. Look good. Had two two clean innings, and everybody knows that the first thing you do in a spring training game is a microcosm of things to come. Oh, absolutely. So Jay Happ's going to win the Cy Young this year. No, there's Congratulations no doubt. to Jay Happ. He looked good. He looked great. He looked good. Didn't didn't seem like the ball was uh, flying out like like it had been. Maybe the maybe the um, the ball is no longer juiced. A lot of things you could take from that first first uh, first. Well, first the wind was blowing out. in. 
uh, Kenny made sure to say that the the wind was blowing in. I mean, that's fine. So that's why a couple of those fly balls. And Clint Frazier had an adventure out in left field. And the first fly ball that was hit to him, the wind really took it. And he had to run he in caught and it actually though. made like a, a good running catch. And I just imagine like the things going through Frazier's mind at that point. Like, oh, the first ball that's hit to me in spring training, which is probably the game that most people are watching in spring training, is the first one. If this clangs off my glove, I'm never going to hear the end of it. It's true. He had to catch that ball. <laughs> you got to set a tone. When you, that was a clutch catch. When you're a guy like that and you have, you have like a glaring deficiency that everybody knows about, you got to address that in the very beginning. Like you can't let that same exact thing creep up on you from the beginning of spring training, especially when you're wearing pinstripes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they played today. They're playing right now, uh, Sunday, as we're recording. And then tomorrow night, on uh, Monday night, Garrett Cole's first start. Gary Sanchez is going to catch him. Stanton and Gardner are also going to play. Um, they said the plan for Cole is just to pitch one inning. Uh, that should be exciting. I'm actually looking forward to I mean, to just to see him out there on the mound is something important. Like, it, it was fun watching him in the tunnel, you know, just, just seeing the movement on some of his pitches and, and, and throw to Gary Sanchez. Like, that's exciting, but you you go out there and you listen to him talk. The guy, the guy seems like he's so grounded and so business. Just like everything is business. Like he is always looking. At, and I didn't know this about him as much. Like I knew it a little bit after the, the attention started getting there. When you know the end of the year, and we're starting to like listen to everything he's saying because he could potentially be on the team at free agent. But the fact that he is. Um, articulate in like everything that he does and the way he prepares. And it seems like he's talking with a lot of guys just seems like a, uh, a very good guy to have in that, in that, uh, in that club. Do you think differently to him wearing a Boris hat after the world series? Now that we know all this stuff, cause you're saying he's all business. Yeah. And that was kind of a weird move to 10 minutes after you lost the world series to be like, Oh, I'm already moved on to free agency, but that's what that statement was him wearing that hat. But do you think that was less of a, a, business statement and more of a anti Astros. I don't agree with what these guys are doing statement. No. I, well, I, if you remember he didn't get used also so that he was not happy about his, his uh, usage in uh, at the end right. as well. So there were a couple of things that happened. It also could have very well been, um, they caught him at the end of, uh, you know, when they got to his locker and he's about to leave and he's not going to wear an Astros hat out. So he just threw the other hat on. <laughs> Maybe could all yeah I'm sure we all be made that. too We're big of a like, deal oh my God, He's wearing a Boris hat. There's no way he's returning. I mean, there was no way he was returning anyway. So it was pretty pretty clear that he was not going to go back to the Astros. But yeah, could have been like you know, let's. It was more fun that saying it that way. But um, before we move on to the dumpster that. fire that is the Astros and the cheating scandal, anything else that you want to talk about as far as the Yankees go? Montgomery's going to come in in the second inning after Cole. That's the plan. And right now, Montgomery's the number four starter. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I'm excited to watch um, David Garcia. Like, he's a guy that people are excited about because he very well could have a role. I mean, literally, he could have a role coming out. He could be the number five starter. Could be. Well, I just want to I want to mentally prepare you if Severino is not ready to start the season. And I know I was just I'm trying to be positive, but come on. You, even, you know, it's unlikely he's going to be ready for opening day unless he comes back and they say nothing's wrong and he just resumes right now or next week or in the next two weeks, then yeah, he's not going to be there for opening day. No, like next week he needs to get those tests in New York and they're like, Nope, you're fine. And then he needs to fly back to Tampa and then resume right away. And then he'll be ready for opening day. And I just don't see that happening. So I just want to mentally prepare you for the first week or two of the season, the Yankees using an opener. 
Oh yeah, that's fine. I mean, things weird things happen in the beginning of the season anyway, so I, I don't look too much into that. At the same time, you do have some guys down there that can contribute, and I would rather use some of those guys at length rather than messing around with a guy in the beginning of the season as this opener. It would be, it would be, I, I actually don't expect them that to use the opener out of the gate. Like that's kind of ridiculous because you have so many fresh arms and you have so many things that you could do and possibilities. Why would you go there? You have already? an extra off day in the first week of the season. So you can go four man rotation and everyone pitches on five days rest yeah. in the first uh, 10 days of the season because you have an off day because the way they, they do build opening in more days, off days in the beginning of the season anyway. To, so the opening day is a Thursday at each stadium. So opening day for Yankees in Baltimore is a Thursday. And then when the Yankees come back home and they always leave that next day open just in case the home opener gets rained out. They have a rescheduled date. Yes. But they also build around more of the off days in the beginning of the season, too, to, to kind of help. That that's why the season starts in late March, because that's the players union fought for more off days yes. in the last collective bargaining agreement. And that's why the season just feels like it's starting so early. It's, just, it, I mean, it's more of an acclimation process for these guys to get involved. Um, and then, you know, the thing is, is that when you start that early, you're coming up north to colder weather. It's still it's not mm -hmm. a great situation for baseball. Yeah. Baltimore could be it could still be cold. Oh, for sure. In yeah. March, you could absolutely get an extremely cold day. You could get snow. Yeah. You could get a lot of things. You never know, especially with the, the relatively mild winter that, that uh, you know, I think that we've had. You could get some, some craziness coming at the end of it. Was it last year that it snowed at Yankee Stadium on opening day? Um, or was that two I think years it was, ago? It wasn't, I don't think it was last year. I think it was at least two years ago. Two or three years okay. ago, I'd say. Yeah. All right, so the Astros. Uh, this, I found this tweet by Heyman interesting. He was quoting a player. It's not much fun in that Houston clubhouse right now. One Astros player aptly summed things up. Quote, it's a bleeping mess. Does that make you feel at all better that within that clubhouse, we could see it just internally combust? And that could be the Astros just being a dumpster fire this year because they're not just playing baseball this year. Right. They're also dealing with all of this shit everywhere they go. Every, go, every ballpark they go to. They're dealing with this shit. Questions from the media, uh, people yelling at them from the stands. Everything is going to be focused on this cheating skin. How about the fact that they have their first spring training game and they got Astros personnel going into the stands and literally stealing the signs of the fans who are opposing what happened with the cheating skin. I mean, you can't, you can't get any better than that. I mean, they're literally stealing the physical signs. What an idiot. The irony, the irony it's, is, it's such a great it headline. Should not be lost on anybody. It should not be because it's beautiful. It's really beautiful, and and so yeah. petty. You need to take your medicine. That's the only way you can get through this. You can't be petty about it. I'm sorry. Well, they already had that chance, and they they did not take well, it. That opening press conference on spring training was them not taking. But but you medicine. start doing this, and this continues. It's going to be so much worse. It's going to be so much worse because now the fans are going to see like, oh, really. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna like take our stuff. We're paying, we're paying customers, and you're gonna come in and because you did something wrong, I'm not allowed to, you know, express the way I feel. You know, in a in a sign that has no swearing on it or any mm -hmm. derogatory statements or anything like that. It's just a an opposition view. No, you because let that you do happen. have you do have jackasses out there who are not expressing things in a good manner. Like Josh Reddick said, he's getting death threats and being harassed 
by fans on yeah, social. Yeah, of course media. you're going to always have the psychopaths that come out there and take the, go the extra limit, but I think he's saying that to gain some sympathy. I mean, probably. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were happening If it's too. if it's one asshole that does that on a normal basis, now it might be 100 assholes doing yeah. that. No, look, does it make me feel better that they have a complete chaos and it's and it seems like it's a, a a train wreck in there? Yeah, it makes me feel a little better. I like yeah, it's okay. I, I want that to happen. I kind of expected that to happen because there's going to be backlash. So, you know, the, the fact that they're feeling it, it, I, it doesn't make me feel better, like, for the situation. It's just like, okay, like, this is what's supposed to happen. So, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, I want, the, I want this season to be a freaking disaster for them. I want them to feel it and hear it every single game. I don't want it to yeah. ever go away. I'm going. I was going back and forth on that. Do I want to see the Astros just absolutely implode and miss the playoffs because they just, like I said, implode as an organization, or do I want to see them still be good, which they are a talented team still, and then get trounced in the playoffs by the Yankees? Because that I think would be the sweetest revenge. Yes, it would be. It would be the sweetest revenge, but I still want that to happen along with the train wreck the entire way. I want both of those Doesn't to happen. Doesn't it suck that they're not coming to the Bronx until September? It does, because it's going to be a little played out. Let me tell Are you Are we this. even going to care in September? Like, that's the Probably. thing. Probably. I'm sure we'll work up to it. But the thing is, it depends on how they're doing as well. It's September 21st. Yo. They're not getting... One thing they're I... They're not arriving I, until the last week of the regular season. I was talking with... Uh, or I was seeing something on social media, and I was talking with some of these guys um, in a group. That Dodgers group that came to Yankee Stadium that held the flag up. Do you remember like four or five years ago, whenever it was in left field, they had that huge flag, the Dodgers flag. Yep. They're going to Anaheim, the angels Astros came and they, ha- they bought 3000 tickets. <laughs> Seriously. Yes, 3000 wow. tickets. Dodgers fans going to an angels. Mobi- that, Astros game. That group mobilized just to scream, just to give it to the Astros. I respect that. The fact that they could just find 3,000 tickets at like a division rival game yeah, just should, tells you all you need to know about the Anaheim Angels. That's, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, it's, uh, it's just it, – the story is still not going away. I don't know how long we're going to really care about it, so that's why I say the Astros aren't coming to the Bronx until the end of September. On September 21st, we're going to only care about the playoffs. Yeah. And they may be in the mix. They may be that may be a contentious. Maybe it's a fighting for home field advantage. Maybe there could be maybe a number of things involved. For best record. Record. Yeah. So so not only that we get our first our first bite at them, and there's uh, you know a series that matters. So it's gonna be it, the tensions. Look, you come into the Bronx for the first time after all this bullshit. I don't care when it is. It's gonna be contentious. And the other part of it is the players, which. I think it's died down a little bit since when everyone was reporting in the first week, but the players are still talking about it and big name players are talking about it. Judge said that he didn't think the MVP award Altuve's MVP award or the 2017 really has any meaning anymore. Cody Bellinger had a great quote um, at his locker. Mike Trout, who never I've never heard speak words before (laughs) talked, spoke up about this. So it's not just like your Mike Clevenger's and Trevor Bowers yelling online about it. It's, some of the biggest superstars in the game. Yeah, no, that I, Nick calling bullshit on Nick this. Kirby had a great tweet about that. It's just kind of exact saying exactly what you just said. And I think we, so all this happened. Like um, we recorded last, last week on Friday, it started happening over the weekend because guys were coming to the club. They were coming. The reporters were at the, uh, you know, at the locker and they were talking to these guys a little bit more. And I have a feeling a lot of these guys said, look, let's get it out of the way. Like all of us, whoever wants to speak up, speak up. 
I'm sure there was a memo from the players association or something along those lines. Like let's mobilize, do what you got to do, say it now, and then let's move forward. And they all did. Cause they all kind of spoke up at the same time. Um, but I'm glad they did. They should have. And, and you know, uh, I'm glad they, we know now that there is ill will, uh, and there's, there's some feelings that are, um, you know, that are bad towards these guys, like personally, personal feelings that are, that are, that are out there. And, uh, there are grievances that will be aired. I think. I don't really want to hear the Yankees talk about it much more though. I'm fine with it. Whatever. If it comes up and then somebody asks them, I don't mind anybody talking about it. I don't need them to go after it, but what do you think about Stanton's quote that he would have hit 80 plus home yeah, runs? He's probably right. A lot of guys probably would have hit 80 home runs if they knew it was coming like that. It's exact. It's exaggerated, but yeah. Take the over under John Carlos Stanton this year, 80 games played over. Okay. That's what he should be worried about. The whole player aspect though, I find a little, uh, I'll use the hypocritical word because there has been articles written that the reason Manfred did not punish the players in this situation is because he couldn't punish the players in the situation. So you have players saying that they are pissed. No one received punishment on the Astros. But then on the other hand, you have Tony Clark, who's the, the Players Association, Association president, being like, well, we would have fought it and gotten these penalties removed. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't have been removed because it was literally you could not penalize. It was in, it's in the collective bargaining agreement that you cannot penalize for, um, for the technology. You can't penalize the players. Look, do you know how many players actually know what's in that CBA? Probably 5%. There's not very many guys that can speak to exactly the details of that CBA and know it. So when they, you guys are talking about it, they're not, they probably didn't know that you know, that that line was in there, that the, that, that contingency was in there that he couldn't, I didn't know when I first heard uh, that Manfred didn't um, use the players or go after the players or when he, uh, when he used them as, or he gave them um, immunity for, for talking. I didn't know in the beginning that that was the case. After I knew that I was like, well, Manfred was pretty screwed in this whole thing. When it comes down to the players, he had nothing, nothing that he could really do because it, even if he aired something out, you couldn't really even impose any sanctions because you literally couldn't. And if you tried, it has to, to be agreed be upon. That's why in the last CBA they agreed upon the penalties for steroid um, use. Now in the next CBA they're going to have to agree upon some sort of penalties for breaking rules. Yeah, and Clark was talking steroids. about that in the sense, which that- is just crazy that it's come to that. The sentence in the article on the Athletic that was really eye-opening for me was. Quote, arguably, if MLB knew how problematic electronic sign stealing would be, not only would it have made sure it had the ability to punish players, but would have done more to stop the problem in the first place. Are you kidding me? They didn't see this? MLB was so blind to the fact that its players might try and bend the rules. They've had a history of 100 plus years of players trying to bend the rules in one form or the other. And now you're going to give them this technology that has never existed in the game before of live video feeds a mere feet from every dugout. And you're like, oh, no, they'll just be responsible and not do anything wrong with it. Are you freaking kidding me? The problem with MLB is always one step, if not 10 steps behind the players and they're cheating. I mean, honestly, I could argue that about everything because when you're cheating, any time at anything you're you're skirting the system so yeah if you're cheating at any point at, at anything you are now going around or above or over the rules in some capacity so it's i think it's hard for large bodies like this to st- stay on the forefront of what's going to be cheating like you'd have to put a lot of things in, into place and then also have a negotiation with the players association and say well there's a possibility that they could do this that and this even though you don't know what that this you don't you don't know what those exact things are 
it's just that I, I disagree to the point that I think it's a touchy subject to 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 implement or have in place uh, penalties for something that hasn't happened yet. But you have a rule book. You have rules. Yeah. Why then do you have to agree upon penalties for each rule and not just a blanket? You get penalized if you break any number of these. Because rules. I think at that point now you're going to give too much. I think the players' association would then be giving too much power in what those penalties would be based on whatever the um, you know infraction is as well. Because so you're saying some infractions are more severe yes. than others. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely and right. And if it's not negotiated ahead of time, well now the the um, now the owners and the commissioner has a little bit more of a, a leg to stand on and has more power. And the Players Association does not give up power. Well, I would just hope that come the next CBA, which is going to be up in 2021, that they do something differently. And maybe instead of having to agree upon line-by-line punishments for each rule, maybe you bucket them and you say, this is a Tier 1 violation, this is a Tier 2 violation, this is a Tier 3 violation, and here are your penalties for Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3. Steroids, electronic sign stealing, that's a Tier 1. That's the worst kind of... Uh, rule you can break and you're going to get 80 games for that first time offender then tier two i don't know what that rule would be i don't know what you know throw another rule out there that you can no longer violate like there's little petty rules now where like you can't um slide hard into second base or or you can't hit a guy if you get you know what i mean like if uh retaliation those sorts of things things maybe that's a lower tier and you get the five or the ten games that is agreed upon but you can't just expect the players to follow the rules when there's actually nothing holding them to it. It's really difficult to say that. You can't hold the players to a moral compass. You have to go beyond the you moral can't. compass. Have we not learned you cannot hold these professional athletes to a moral compass? Yes. Because they have never been able to follow the rules of baseball. Never. It's, it's, it, you can't do that. You're dealing with different people now. You're dealing. You're dealing with a very different uh, entity. You're dealing with different things that are happening, a different world, a different landscape of everything. You just. You just can't do that. You can't go out and start saying, "Okay, well, because I don't trust any of you people, I'm going to put uh, penalties out there for this, that, and this, and this, is, yeah. and I'm going to use my crystal ball and decide how you can cheat." I mean, honestly, you look back at those Brian Roberts uh, contact lenses that I've talked about a number of times. <laughs> they, they, they are ones I'm like, well, why didn't anybody forgot, say anything I about those? I forgot you were obsessed with those. Yeah. With Brian Roberts I mean, the, the contact lenses that can pick up the white of the ball, like way better and just like heighten, heighten your senses so that you can see the ball. It was because he had light sensitivity. Okay. That's how steroids came into play too. Like I got an injury. I tried HGH because I had an injury. I, I have um, a blister, so I'm going to use ointment and now I can spin Right. This rate. is different tiers of penalties. But that's my point. That's my point is that penalty. these, the cheating, the ways of cheating will progress along with whatever you implement as well, because there will be one more thing. Just like today, I believe Why? that there's, that there's Why? steroids that are not being tested for. I'm sure that people are using. I still think. Does that not annoy you? Does that annoy the shit out of you? Because that annoys the shit out of it's, me. It's, it's, it's every 20 years, are we just going to have another major cheating scandal? Yes. <laughs> yep. It's like 20 years ago, it was steroids. And now in 2000, I mean, we have, to it was be fair, steroids. we haven't had like in a, 2020. It's bef- before 20 the steroids. Years, it feels like it's, they're on a 20 year rotation. Before, before the steroids, it wasn't really like a, out. it wasn't like a scandal necessarily. In the 80s, it was in the 80s, it was greenies. And a lot of cocaine, and who eh, else knows what they I mean, were was doing? Was that really a problem? Was that really a scandal? I don't think so. I think it was just you know, it wasn't good. 
It didn't. I mean, <laughs> there are so many things that you could say if you're going down that road that that it does not really help you that much. So you also had the betting, the betting, uh, Pete Rose's betting scandal yeah. back then. I guess this one's huge. This I just, this one and steroids are the two massive ones. I just find it infuriating when you read, start reading the details of how powerless baseball was and how obtuse they were about these certain things. And also I'm not getting, I'm not letting the players off the hook. Hey assholes, stop cheating and just play the game. You're paid millions of dollars to play on the up and up. That's what we want. Just play on the up and up. Yeah. Apparently that's a tall task to ask, especially if you're getting influenced by a veteran player. (laughs) <laughs> Carlos Beltran, the godfather, yeah. was just making everyone cheat. Right. I mean... Well, did you hear what Teixeira said? So Teixeira spoke to the New York Post, um, and he said that they used to... In 2014, when the replay room was implemented, they would use it to figure out signs, and then by word of mouth, they would go to the dugout and say, hey, when this sequence of sign comes down, this is what it's going to be. Let's relay that to the guy at second base, who's then going to relay it to the guy... At home plate. And that's what we said. That's what I assumed every team was doing. I assumed every team was doing that too. I, I mean, up until forever, like that was going to be a thing because that's when, that's why they started putting those people in there. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the guards, uh, whoever was saying, you know, the league official who was supposed to be monitoring that. That's why they put those in there as well to, to try to prevent that. Uh, and for these guys from using it in game, but you know, it's just different that there's, there's not as, it's not real. It's still not real time. So Teixeira named three Yankees as the ringleaders of this. Okay. Can don't look at the notes. Okay. I'm, Beltron was one of them. Yeah. Can you guess the second one? What year was this? 2014 and 2015. Um, um, what Yankee might in that area might cheat. Oh, has the A-Rod? has the tendency of cheating. A Rod, uh, yeah, Alex Rodriguez, of course. Carlos Beltran, Alex Rodriguez, and Chris Young were the three Chris Young. Yeah, yeah, we knew Chris Young. I was going to say, was in this was Euclid on that team? The, um, and Tashera said that he didn't find it to be very effective because by the time those jabronis figured out the codes, the signs, they were probably obsolete because maybe the pitcher's no longer in the game or maybe they've changed up their sign sequencing by the time they figure it out, and then. I can see how that would be obsolete. Maybe you figure it out one game quick enough and it works, but then you're like, well, we didn't figure out until the sixth inning on night two and the starting pitcher's out of the game by the next time I'm coming up. So it's really in a way useless. Then code breaker comes in and the Astros can figure it out in a matter of two innings. And you're no longer having to wait six innings. You figure out in two innings. And instead of relaying it to guys through word of mouth and the dugout in second base, I'm going to slam on a trash can. I'm going to buzz someone's nipple. I'm going to send a smoke signal out to center field. And now it's real time. And that's where it escalated. It escalated so quickly in what the Astros were doing. And I'm sure the Astros were not the only team that it escalated for. We just haven't heard about it yet. Yeah. The Red Sox punishments are coming soon. I mean, yeah, I guess. But nobody's there to be punished anymore. So who who really cares? Because they're not going after Oh, yeah. They definitely fired Cora. Like, uh, they definitely fired Cora. So that Manfred could be like, yeah, that's the scapegoat on all of this. Well, they got rid of it because they knew it was going to happen. And if, if one no, guy... No, I guarantee you, though, the report is going to come out and it's just going to name Alex Cora a million times. And the Red Sox are going to be like, well, we already fired him. Well, that's the thing. It, it, it doesn't matter. Like, the, the penalty for Alex Cora doesn't matter. I, I don't know how you could possibly go any more than, than A.J. Hinch, though. 
Like if, if AJ Hinch is a year, like I think everybody has to be a year. No, you can't. Yeah, it's going to be a year for yeah, Alex Cora. You, go, you don't go. I don't know how you could possibly go higher than that because that's just saying that AJ Hinch was not complicit, and he was. Well, then you're penalizing. You're not penalizing the the guy in charge. You're penalizing the guy underneath the guy in charge more. Who was which in is charge of backwards. the of the the ring? Whatever. It's but dumb. that's ass backwards. I understand that. Trust me. That's what I'm saying. That's that's why this is so, all a, a bunch of horseshit. You're also going to probably get the $5 million fine, which is a drop in the bucket for these billion-dollar organizations. Why is $5 million the top penalty for these organizations worth billions of dollars? Yeah, I don't That's know. That's like chump change. Is that, That's is, like me being like, hey, Scott, it, it's, it's like you getting a speeding ticket. Well, let me ask you a question because now they're going to be going after, obviously, the, uh, if they go after Alex Cora, um, can they find the Astros again? I don't think so. No, $5 million is the top penalty yeah, so they already the did current it. CBA. They already did it. No, no, the Red Sox. Though. Why would they fire? Why would they do the Red Sox? They're going after Cora. It's more for Cora when he was on the Astros. No, because if they find that Cora was doing something illegal in 2018, then they can. I don't know. Maybe if not. they find. Maybe they I won't mean, if they if they find similar picks, things, maybe they won't. If they find similar things to what the trash can was, while Cora was at Boston, now we got a whole other thing going on, because that hasn't come out. No, I don't think they're. Even if they find that, I don't think they're going to say it. So at that. So now at this point, if Cora is is. Um, you know, docked in any way, it's going to be on the Astros when they've already find them. So it's done. But so play this out. You're John Henry or you're Jim Crane. You're worth, your organization is worth hundreds and hundreds, if not billions of dollars. Right. And you know that if your guys are not following the rules, you're going to get fined $5 million. I know this is what are I was you, trying are to you tell really you. Care? When you. Are you really going to care? This is exactly what I was trying to tell you ahead of when we were talking about this for the first time. None of these penalties make a goddamn difference to anybody. You're out of the one league. Well, the money one especially makes no difference. All of it. $5 million dollars it. is like me going into my, my uh, bedside drawer and finding $1.75 in change and be like, okay, I guess I, here's the change I got to give up. That is pocket lint change for Jim Crane. As an organization, it matters nothing. 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 Because you're getting rid of the, player, the, um, the manager and the GM. Okay. Let's just bring in two, two more guys that – you know, arguably could do a better job, if not the same job or whatever, you know, does it really hurt them? No, it doesn't. So how much money would it get for the owners to be like, oh crap, I have to know everything that's going on in my organization because I'm going to get fined a hundred million dollars. Yeah. You got to make it drastic. That's it. Yeah. 50 million bucks, hundred million bucks, something that's like a substantial amount of money. Why don't we, Take why don't we like, associate it with like the biggest, what's, what's the, um, what's the top contract you have on the books? Oh, you have uh, this guy signed for that much. You're able to spend that money. Let's take 75% of that. Boom. Gone. <laughs> what if they went back and figured out in the 2017 season and the World Series run, the organization in extra sales made this amount and then find them that amount. It should, you know what I mean? Maybe like, it's a tax you based on your to, revenue. Yeah, you have to find them significantly because percentage. $5 million is pointless. It's not even a slap on the wrist. Yeah, it's a joke. So. I know. I know. And I just find as we get more information on all of this and I, I just see how it happened because the, the, the current CBA and what the players are being held to is not strict at all. So I understand why they're going to break the rules because if you're not really going to face any penalties for breaking the rules, why not break the rules? The worst thing that you have to deal with is the backlash as far as the media and the fans go. And maybe that is bad. Obviously, we said the Astros organization and their clubhouses is not a pretty place to be right now. But 
they also might get over it by June because they just moved on. You know, the longer this goes out, the more like I feel like it's it's you know we're gonna find different reasons to to make it under to make us understand why they did this, and that's gonna piss me off a little bit. But when you're going through like if Beltron was the guy that was you know, the one that was basically coaxing everybody into doing this, like, like, yeah, you know, like hit it, hit it, hit it. Everybody else is doing it. The, if you're doing that and he's basically saying, I've been on, you know, this team, that team, this team, that team, I've been around forever. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing this. If we're not doing it, like what they're all doing. it. Yeah. That's why they, that's why they are not apologetic because they think they're not do they didn't do anything that every team wasn't doing. That they think that even though we even though we have now evidence to show like Jonathan Lucroy, did you hear his comments? No, he just got signed by the um, Red Sox, didn't he? Yep. So when he showed up to Red Sox camp, he said everybody in baseball, especially in that division that played against them, we were all aware of the Astros doing those things. It was up to us to outsmart them, which is kind of hard when you have a computer program that breaks signs. We actively change signs. Almost every pitch we change signs. And then there was an article in ESPN that said the Oakland organization went to major league baseball and said, please investigate what the Astros are doing because they're doing something that's extra illegal. And basically it was ignored. Right. And that's when you had, I mean, you look at the time frames, and that's when you start seeing a lot of the, uh, the very tight, the, the doors start closing, the communication tightening up around the Astros. Right. You couldn't get like fan graphs and ESPN and all of these, um, Outlets that maybe were just wanted to write about a prospect or write about whatever they couldn't, couldn't get, any get the access. information they needed. Yeah, right. So usually when that happens, something's going on. But um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's just one of those things that. Do you think there will be another? There will be another thing after this. Do you think that Manfred should lose his job because a lot of people are calling for Manfred's job? I've honestly come back from from uh, my criticism on him a little bit because of the the way that the CBA was worded. After I found out what you know what he was going up against with the players association and how he could actually go about this. I've come, yeah. I've come off of it a little bit. I think he said some things in the wrong way. And yeah, and the, I, the, the piece of metal, did that offend you? No, uh, but I don't get offended very easily either. I, I think that Do you think the players use that as something to just attack him because that's what I felt like players were doing. Probably. They were just waiting for him to say one little thing wrong. And then they were just going to pounce. And that was the thing that they happened. They to were in on. a position where they could do that. So I think that they I, understood, yeah, they understood they had a window and they were just going to go after it. So I, I, I think that Manfred, yeah, Cutter probably handled it a lot better in the way that he talked about this stuff. And I think that um, the penalty should have actually been much been, they should have been more strict on, uh, on everything else. Like if you're not going to go after the players, that's one thing and you're, you're, you can't, but I, I don't, I don't think he, uh, he went after what the teams like he should, but at the same but then time, what could he there's do? a conflict because of interest as well. It's a weird situation because he is in the best interest of the team and the owners, the owners, he works for the owners. So he find them the most money he could find them. He find them two first round draft picks. I don't know what the stipulations were on number of draft picks you could lose, but it's probably in there, written somewhere, and he, he each uh, suspended them a year. So what do you think that he could have done more that he should have done more? Yeah, I mean, you, you go, based on what he was allowed to do, there wasn't a ton. He could have probably um, made the, um, the more penalties, more sanctions to the team, cleaning the, some of the, the people out a little bit more, like forcing the Astros to do things, not giving the Astros the opportunity to fire people, to, to have a little PR boost in, in the way that they did that, even though they screwed that up. 
but there were there were concessions there that were that were giving Crane an opportunity to try to make it as right as he possibly could. Granted, he completely screwed it all up. Like it was completely incompetent in the way that it went down. But they were given, they were handed. Like here you go, you can fire your guys. That's I'll agree to that. You can come out and have a press conference to control the narrative. I'll agree to that. But he screwed it all up. But he could have been more. It could have been coming down more with an iron fist from the commissioner's office. And would have shown Say it. he had suspended players full well knowing it was going to get thrown out, but he just wanted to make a point. Yeah. If he did that, where do you start and end with player suspensions? Because how do you identify really who was involved? Look, because I, Beltran, okay, Beltran was the player ringleader. But then do you go to just the high-profile guys, Correa, Bregman, Altuve? What if, uh, what if secondary guys, Josh Reddick? What if Josh Reddick ended up benefiting the most from this. But no one gives a crap about Josh Reddick. It doesn't matter. I think you know if, you, I mean? if, if there was if there was evidence that you could participate in the in the um in the scheme, then you had an X penalty. I think that's yeah. it. You, 30 games or something one, you which would have been thrown out. You can't but. judge you can't judge a, a player on how he took those pitches and and how he you know what his um what his success rate was with those pitches. You can't like that wouldn't make any justification on a on a this makes the 2021 renegotiation of the CBA that much more interesting because you have now within the players association guys fighting with each other. So they're not even on the same page right now. And then they have to negotiate something with the owners. And that's why Manfred has the job of commissioner. He's apparently a negotiations master. He has negotiated many things in the past. That's why the owners wanted him in there to renegotiate the CBA in 2021. That's his number one function. Right. And that's why he knows he's, his job is secure because he's there for that. The, uh, yeah. So I, I, you know, look, man, the thing is, is like, you're talking about how the renegotiations have to happen as well, but guess what they're going to be doing. They're going to be reacting to something that's already happened. They're not going to be looking into the future and, and putting on, um, you know, possible stipulations for whatever the next thing is, you know, whoever's using Google glasses to a point where you can't see them, but you know, they're getting the information. What if they uh, put up some kind of a, you know, some kind of a, a lens that's reflective off of the brim of the helmet that gives you a perfect angle to see the catcher signs. I don't know. I like come up with the dumbest shit you could possibly think of. And then you have to have a rule for that because someone's going to break something. I feel like you could crowdsource that. You could crowdsource the cheating. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's possible. Anywhere, anywhere, any, anything, everything. Nothing is too dumb to put in there. Yeah. So You have to add some. We got a couple of mailbag questions uh, from. Um, we got a couple of questions about the David Ortiz quote. Uh, so just shout out to Troy and James for submitting your questions. But I'll read his quote. I'm mad at the guy, this guy, the pitcher who came out talking about it. Why don't you talk about it during the season when it was going on? Why didn't you say, I don't want to be a part of it? Now you look like a snitch. Why didn't anybody say anything while it was going on? That is David Ortiz talking about Mike Fires. Yeah, I think people were... This is the most David Ortiz quote of all time. But there were, first of all, a guy that, that uh, you know was named, but not named, but associated, but yeah. not associated. But the thing is... Uh, you know, uh, people were saying that he was going uh, after fires in the way that he disagreed. The way that he said it to me wasn't like it wasn't bad. Like uh, Mendoza said it. it wasn't like oh, you just you shouldn't do it because Mendoza it's against the rules. was sad that that he came out. Ortiz is saying 
Ortiz doesn't like a snitch. No, Ortiz is calling you a bitch for not doing it in the moment and doing it later. That's all it was. He's like, if you're going to do it, do it at the moment. If you're going to be, a, if you're going to do it, do it then. Don't do it now. He's like, if you're going to well, do it, interesting that's when thing. fires did it, huh? Fires went to Detroit after Houston. He didn't say anything while he was in Detroit. Yeah. Well, he, Why did he wait? Because he got Oakland? to probably because he got to Oakland and he realized how detrimental it is when you're trying to play them and how wrong it is. Maybe. And, and maybe it when he got to Oakland, finally got there. Maybe. Maybe when he got to Oakland, guys like Jonathan Lucroy were like, hey, what was going on when you were in Houston? Yeah, there, there could be a number them, of things and why it went down. And then they were like, oh, you need to talk about this. I just found this quote from Ortiz to be entirely disingenuous, especially because he was on that 2003 anonymous steroid report that ended up being public along with um, Alex Rodriguez and a bunch of other, uh, other players. And he absolutely lost his goddamn mind about it. Yeah, so whatever. Like, I, Do you really take anything that he says anyway with uh, – with any kind of realism. Like the guy just talks. He's a no. character. The next mailbag question is from Benjamin Payne from Oklahoma. Let's say Clint plays 155 plus games this year. What would you expect from him offensively? I can see him hitting 275 plus with 35 to 45 homers. I think he's an extremely talented hitter and with consistent at bats, I believe he could be a special bat in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got a, he's got potential to do something. Um, if he's there all the time, you're you're looking at your projection system, the zips. The, um, I mean, not high on not high on Clint. Frazier. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really, I don't know where those are coming from. I don't know how you get to that point. It's hard to it's hard to get any gauge any projections on him, honestly. Right. Well, it's funny you should ask because I'm going to have Dan Zaborski on the podcast this yeah, week. Yeah, Dan's so awesome. Stay tuned for that episode. Dan's so much fun to talk to. Yeah. He is he is the best kind of baseball nerd in my opinion. Yeah, because yeah. he's so smart. But he, he embraces it. He's he just it. he just has a goofy time talking yeah. talking to you, and you know he'll he'll just go off on tangents. So very much looking forward to talking to Dan. Uh, that episode will probably be up on Tuesday, uh, and we'll talk about Frazier. We'll talk about other Zips projections. But what it does project for Clint is 246 plate appearances, 12 home runs, and a 93 WRC plus. That's below league average, and the 12 home runs and that number of plate appearances is a 25 home run pace for a full season. Part of this is the fact that home runs are just on a, an extremely high rate. So guys are going to hit more home runs. But yeah, they're not high on Frazier. And I think it's because he's, it's been so inconsistent, not only in the majors over the past three seasons, but inconsistent in the minors. We've seen flashes of Clint Frazier looking like a beast at the plate. But then we've also seen flashes of him having no plate discipline and looking lost at the plate. So I don't know. I don't know what Clint Frazier really can be. We think he can be great because we've seen flashes of it, but over 429 major league plate appearances, he has a 100 WRC plus that is exactly league average. Yeah. The thing is, again, like I said, it's hard to judge it from, uh, you know, you can lump the numbers together. That's one thing, but they're not consistent numbers. They're not back. They're not numbers of, you know, playing uh, in one string. I think that with him, he is definitely one of those type of guys where he could get comfortable in a place. And then all of a sudden you start seeing him, uh, you know, open up the numbers a little bit more. I don't think he's hitting 35 to 45, 45 home runs. He's a line drive guy. Like I, I see him hitting, you know, 25 to 30, maybe if he gets lucky, but 20, 20 to 25. Home but runs. again, how do we know? What's the ball? What's the ball look like? Because Glaber Torres looks like a 35 home run hitter. Glaber Torres also launches the living shit out of the ball too. I mean, like he does have a lot, uh, a higher launch angle than Frazier, but, but, but I'm just saying, like, who, it's all dependent on the ball with Frazier. I guess. Uh, so, but he, you can see power. I, I, like, I like his offense because I think it, it gives you, um, you know, more doubles, uh, more gap power. Like, I like him as an offensive player. I like him a lot. 
you see a guy that you know could I think he could potentially uh, you know cut down his strikeouts a lot with the with the type of swing that he has. Um, so I, I do think that he could be a very productive player offensively, and I've, I think we've all been on kind of on that page. It's not that's not the problem. The problem is you know he's got no position right now with the way that he plays defensively. So un- until he can show and prove that you know he's not a a liability in the field, then we're never going to know what he could be offensively. He's never going to get the consistent at bats right. because he's not consistent in the field. It's, Does it's, it make sense that he yeah. could be an everyday left fielder for the Yankees for a very long time? Yeah, it could be. He slots beautifully in there honestly with Gardner, you know, coming to an end if that happens. It could make a lot of sense. Uh but I, I don't know if I don't know if the timing's going to work out with his opportunity. I just I don't know if it's going to seemingly It's already match up. taken longer than he ever imagined. Again, got to show that he can play defense. If he can play defense then, you know, that time may come faster and he may get more opportunities, obviously, but, um, cause I think they like his bat too. I think he needs consistent at bats though. Yeah. The next question is from Thomas John. Since the story will not go away, which Yankee would see the greatest improvement and who would be the best hitter if they knew every pitch that was coming? I answered this so fast in my mind. It wasn't even funny. You will go ahead then. So I don't take it. Gary, Sa- Gary Sanchez. I'm looking at your answer. And I was, I was going to steal it from you. If, if Gary Sanchez knew every pitch that was coming, I do think he would hit 80 home runs. Gary Sanchez has one. One, he would hit fastballs. He would just sit fastball, fastball, fastball. He annihilates He annihilates fastballs. fastballs. So if he knows one's coming, then that's a good thing. He doesn't have to think about that sweeping breaking ball off the bottom uh, of the plate. So, yeah, if, if Gary Sanchez knew what was coming, I think that the pure power that he has that's so raw and natural, he just sits back and crushes balls and barrels them up. I think he would hit a lot of home runs. I also think Stan, would do the, the, I don't think Stan would do the same thing, though, st- too. Yeah. But, Although Stan but, does have uh, problems with high fastballs occasionally. Gary Sanchez, I think when we see him look lost at the plate, it's because he's swinging at bad pitches. Yeah. That's his number one weakness at the plate. Last season, Gary Sanchez had the highest expected slugging percentage on fastballs, meaning when he swung at fastballs, he was unstoppable. Yeah. You know, look, you can, you can swing at fastballs, and only fastballs, and be a very, very good player for your entire career. A-Rod made a living out of it. You listen to anything with like the MLB Network, uh, Eric Burns was, is on there a lot, and he was talking about it. He sat fastball. He only hit fastball and looked fastball. He said if there was something, like a changeup or something that he could adjust to, you know, he'd put a swing on it. But he looked fastball every single time. And honestly, if I were, if like a strategy, if I'm going up, like I would do the exact same thing. You just, just wait for it. Just sit fastball, make your adjustments and on the back sometimes, end, and be ready for it. Sometimes it looks like Gary Sanchez has that approach at the plate, and then he'll go through a week or two weeks stretch where he's swinging at every slider in the left-handed batter's box. I think one of the problems with him is recognition of that pitch. I think if he has a guy that has a tight slider and a similar arm slot to that fastball where it just falls off the table, I think sometimes he has a hard time recognizing it, and that's where he gets into problems, which is kind of crazy because he's a catcher. <laughs> You'd think that he'd be able to locate arm slot and, and like different tendencies a little bit more than the next guy, but, you know, apparently not. So Sanchez, Stanton, um, what about Judge? I think all of I these mean, guys like, would murder balls if they knew. I mean, obviously it, it benefits you. It benefits I think hitters, Glaber so would everyone. be up there because Glaber will tee off on something. Yeah, Glaber, I think that's also the number one thing he should improve on and I think will improve on as he becomes more of a veteran player is plate discipline. Yeah, because, I mean, 
He improved that last year. He started swinging at better pitches last year yes, versus 2018, and you saw a more consistent offensive season from him. Yes. Well, we also saw in 2018, we think, you and I are both on the same page with this, hip injury. that that hip was lingering all the way through, and I, I do believe that's the case. So, yeah, I think progression will just get better for him because I think he's a smart baseball player, and I think he makes adjustments, man. He's so talented. Um, it'll be interesting. I, you know, the other guy that, that would annihilate balls that are coming down the middle if he knew him is Miguel Andujar. That guy could crush a, a ball if he knows it's coming, too. I mean, again. I feel like his approach is just swing no matter what, though. But he's, I mean, makes contact. Yeah, but imagine it's like in the zone all the time. You know where it's coming. Then what? That's not fun for him. He likes swinging it. You think Ichiro would hit 80 home runs? If, according to Ichiro, he could. <laughs> <laughs> in batting practice, he could just slug home runs yeah, whenever I mean, he wanted. Yeah, if he knows it's coming, take out Babe Ruth. He'd be like the greatest yeah. baseball player in the history of the planet. You mean Barry Bonds on steroids circa 2002 to 2006 or whatever it was? Yes, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was a Final questions from Andrew Campbell. Who do you think will end the season with more at-bats, Giovanni Urshela or Luke Voigt? While it appears Voigt has less competition at first base, his health last season leaves question marks regarding durability over the length of the season. And while Gio was tagged by Cashman as the front runner for third base, Many experts are skeptical of Urshela repeating the breakout season he had last year. Not to mention that Miggy is going to be chomping at the bit to get as many plate appearances he can to show that he, his big league bat still belongs. Yeah, I, I mean, if I'm taking the, the over-under on who's going to have more, it would be Urshela. Because I think the only reason that Urshela is not going to have more at-bats in that position is because of just like a major fall-off. I think if they see some kind of a major fall off and Miggy's up there, you know, smashing the ball, giving like relatively decent defense, I think you're going to start seeing more of Miggy there. But, you know, or shall, I still, because I think they're going to get Miggy's bat in there one way or another. I don't think it's necessarily going to be in because of Urshela not playing. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so let's look at it this way How many days a week do you think Urshela plays, and how many days a week do you think? And Duhar plays. I think Urshela is playing uh, four to five times a week. And Urshela, and uh, I think that Andujar is probably playing like three to four. Because they're going to be throwing him in a DH. So, you know, if he, Andujar might get a day at third and then a couple days at DH. I don't think Andujar is getting more than one day at third. But then what... Then it's like a chicken or the egg thing. How is he ever going to get better at third base if he's playing third base once a week? Yeah, I mean, maybe they just... I think at that point, if that's the case, then they may just chalk it up like it doesn't matter. <laughs> it is what it is. We're yeah. here for the bat. And we're here for, and we're, <laughs> and we're here for the... We're, we're here for all the great things of the bat. Uh, but again, I think I'm if just... Gio Urshela has a... If we see a major downtick in offense, that could swing the situation a little bit more. Because the glove, I think Gio Urshela obviously is... A superior glove, uh, you know, and I think that that's not going away. I think that the offense was the one thing that stood out from him that was, uh, you know, that was one of those outliers that we didn't expect. If he could continue that, if he could build upon that and show uh, similar, then then he's he's pretty much locked over there at third base. Like, he's the everyday third baseman. Yeah, and Voight and um, – actually, his question was Urshela or Voight who gets more at-bats. Yeah, I said I, – Not Urshela or – Right, right. I said Voight because I think Voight's going to platoon over there, and I think there's – Probably an injury waiting for Voight somewhere around the corner. And I think Mike Ford actually made a real... I think Mike Ford made real noise last year. I think he made real noise. And I think that um, they could tend, end up being very similar players. Or, or um, Voight and, Voight and, and Ford. Ford, yeah. 
Yeah. I could see Voight. Yeah. And, I could see Vo- uh, Ford doing similar things to what Voight did with more playing time. And on paper, it looks nice to have that lefty bat. Yeah. You know, you got to have that lefty bat, right? Yeah. Makes everybody feel good. We're still dying for that left-handed first baseman at Yankee Stadium. We're just, we're just dying for that. I just saw someone posted a picture of Nick Johnson from uh, when they were down at spring training, like in, in real life, nice. like, oh, here's Nick Johnson today. I was like, is he down there as like a special assistant? Or I hope not. I think he's just <laughs> probably down there doing something. Brian Cashman loved Nick. Johnson. I know he did. I know he did. We all love what Nick Johnson was supposed to be. He brought Nick Johnson back in in 2010 to be the DH. Nick Johnson was supposed to be the next Don Mattingly. Uh, he was the heir. He was the he was the guy. He was supposed to be after Tino, though. Right, but the homegrown yeah. guy at first base was supposed to be him. And he did have a couple solid seasons with the Nationals. Yeah, but that was so out of that, way past, you know, when we were thinking about him in the least bit. Yeah. All right, that's it for mailbags. Thanks to you guys for submitting. Do so at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Uh, I don't know if I'm calling this an out of left field or not, but I have jury duty tomorrow. Do you have any advice for me? I don't because I've, I'm not going to wood, man. I've never even gotten a letter about it. I've never. Really? I've never. I've delayed it. I've delayed it twice already. And apparently if you delay it three times, they like come knocking at your door. I, I have never gotten any kind of correspondence at all ever about jury duty. So I expect it to come in the next week and a half. Are you registered to vote in the state yes. of Virginia? Yes. I don't know how you haven't gotten it then. You've lived there for so long. Things happen. I don't know. You're lucky. When uh, I was in college yeah, I, and like in Norfolk, I moved every year. So who knows if I just like. So you think maybe there is it? jury duty for you somewhere. It's just the next person's opening. It's possible. Like getting your, your it's it's possible that I am cheating as uh, I, I am the cheater to uh, their jury duty. I'm always one so step ahead. So you know how this happened? I'm always one step ahead. Um, I got something in the mail like. I got something in the mail from New York state jurors that clearly said, this is not a summons for jury duty, yeah. but it was a survey. I got that. Okay? I got that. So I, in my mind, I was like, Oh, they're just seeing who's going to answer this survey and then send you jury duty. So I didn't answer it. Oh, that's illegal. Then I got that's it. illegal. You could be put in jail for that. Now that you've admitted it also on tape, I lost it in the mail or the mail lot. I never, I never saw it. You, you are, you I got another one. I got another one like three months later being like, Hey, if you don't answer this, you can be brought to jail. So I was like, shit, I guess I have to answer it. And not even two weeks after I sent that thing in, I had jury duty. Yeah. Sucker. So that's exactly what they were doing. I knew what they were doing. I saw through their plan. And then you just, you kept going on it. They, and they then won. I delayed they it won in the end. for one reason or another, and now I have jury duty on Monday. Well, do your do your civic duty as a uh, citizen of this country and go do jury duty. And what if I get put on like some crazy trial? I'm gonna want to talk about it on the podcast, and I, I'm not allowed to. You can afterwards. After yeah, after the case is done. after you're quarantined. They quarantine. They you? could. Depending on the if it's like a mur- if it's like a murder trial, yeah, if it's like an OJ. It could be. Well, no, OJ no. Trial? I think usually quarantine is done so that. Uh, if it's more like a yeah, if it's like a high profile, it's like just then media. You, the the reason you're quarantined is so you don't get influenced by outside uh, factors. You know, they people come into I know like the dead process, fish on your doorstep. You show up and then they interview you to see if you're even qualified yes, to be a juror. Right. So I could just give really dumb answers. Right. Yeah, you could. You could do that. You could go that route. Or or you could do the or you could do what you're supposed to do and just. 
man up. Because, you know, there's a chance that karma will come bite you in the ass. You know, because people know, karma knows, everything, everybody, the, the, there's still, there's, so there's you're still saying a, I end up getting brought to trial for something I didn't do, and then maybe. there's a bunch of people. Haven't you seen Seinfeld? The worst ending of all time history? Uh, I have. And speaking of Seinfeld, curb your enthusiasm. There was a funny scene when Larry tries to get out of jury duty and he just says some racist stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's the key. Like, I think everybody knows that if you want to get out of jury duty, like, go in there and, and tell them you're a racist, and they will not put you on the jury. But then you got to do that. Okay, I'll follow up next week with how that planned out and what I ended up deciding to do. That's it for this episode. Curb your enthusiasm, um, by the way, coming in hot this this uh, this season. Uh, it's, it's been good. It's it's been hilarious, yeah. and I can't believe they stole our idea about the New Year's. Thing. I know it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Just shows Everyone how enjoy sync we are with that guy. Enjoy Garrett Cole's first start in spring as a Yankee, and stay tuned this week, either Tuesday or Wednesday. I will have Dan Zaborski from Fangraphs on the pod. Talk to you guys soon. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.